Welcome to the Epicenter Podcast. I'm your host, Rufi Castro. What happens when God says yes? God said yes. This preaching was originally preached on January 1st, 2023. And uh, hopefully by the time you're listening to this episode, you've gotten a chance to listen to the preaching. Uh, You can find it on the Epicenter Fresno YouTube channel uh, or also on the uh, Epicenter Fresno Facebook page. Uh, So this was out of Joshua chapter 10, and it was uh, verse 12, 13, and 14. And those verses are very uh, familiar verses. This is where uh, Joshua's, uh, he's fighting, he's in a war, uh, he's running out of time, he's running out of sunlight, and he cries out to the Lord, he prays, uh, if you will, and he commands, he literally commands the sun to stand still, the moon to stand still, and God said yes. Uh, he says yes, he He allows that to occur, and there's this miracle that occurs, uh, so obviously the sun stood still, um, the moon stood still, and uh, and Joshua and his army, uh, you know, they 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 won that battle. So, what I wanted to do for this episode is I wanted to give a little bit of background because this um, this has to do with Joshua actually coming to the defense of a territory that made a peace with him or they signed a treaty, if you will, a confederacy uh, with the children of Israel. So the book of Joshua, right, they enter into the promised land, which is Canaan. And as you know, they have to they have to fight uh, to take over the land. Uh, the land belongs to them, uh, but they have to clear the land out. Well, there's this uh, city or this territory by the name of Gibeon. And um, the leader of Gibeon made a treaty with Joshua and basically uh, you know, please don't kill us. Uh, you know, we know God has chosen you. We've heard what happened at Jericho. We heard what happened at AI, and we want to live in peace. Uh, we will serve your God to the best of our ability, up to the point basically of just not converting. So when you read some of the commentary, uh, there, there's a little bit uh, of, of contradiction in the commentary. Uh, uh, the different commentaries, not enough where it's like, wow, let me just throw this thing away. The little bit of contradictions of, of how this all occurred. Uh, but the meat and potatoes is that they secured a treaty, a treaty with the children of Israel. So they're living in peace. They're not intermarrying. They're not doing anything like that. Uh, but they are living in peace. Now, what we have to understand, we mentioned Jericho. Jericho was a powerhouse uh, back in the day, they had a fortified walls. They had a huge army. So when Jericho fell, now you have to remember the story. The walls fell without Israel using their weapons, if you will. They they shouted. They followed the commandments of the Lord. Uh, what the Lord told them to do, they they did. They encircled the city, and the walls, you know, came crumbling down. That sent a shockwave through the land of Canaan. Everyone took notice. And the leaders started freaking out because of this God that the Israelites serve. If they were able to take out Jericho, who was a powerhouse, without firing a shot, if you will, 
what in the world was going to happen to them when Israel, you know, uh, would show up at their doorstep. So they did what anybody would do, right? They started getting their friends together, you know, to prepare an attack. And the attack wasn't necessarily against the children of Israel, but the attack was against Gibeon, with whom Israel had a treaty. So when when you listen to the message, um, something that you do notice is that when it came to comes to the children of Israel and the children of God, us now, there, there's a connection that we make in that preaching. Because as children of God, uh, the Apostle Paul lets us know that we um, have been grafted into the promises of Abraham. So in the preaching, you'll notice that I make the connection between the, the Israelites, the children of God, uh, and us, because there are people um, among us that um, are friendly, if you will. Um, you know, they won't convert. Uh, but if, you know, if we're doing, if we're doing a fundraiser, uh, for the church, like they're there, you know, if you're, if you're doing some sort of fundraiser, they're there. If you call them up and say, Hey, listen, we're going to do a, have a prayer meeting. Would you like to come? They'll show up. Um, you know, they'll help out if it's a Thanksgiving basket, you know, anything that has to do with God, anything that has to do with church, anything that has to do with, with helping other people, um, they're there, right? Uh, they just won't convert, but they live in harmony with other Christians. So they, they are connected to us. They're connected to you. So I was making, uh, that point of how the children of Israel and, uh, the people I lived in in Gibeon, that that connection was there. Now, the Bible lets us know that the king of Jerusalem, and let me stop there, because when we hear Jerusalem, right, we think of Jerusalem, King David, King Solomon. We think of Jerusalem now, um, you know, the capital of Israel. But in the time of Joshua, Jerusalem was still a Canaanite city. Okay. The, remember, there was no king. King Saul was the first king. This is the time of Joshua. The, this is, you know, a few hundred years before King Saul. Jerusalem was still controlled by the Canaanites. So it's the king of Jerusalem uh, in chapter 10 that we find that he makes, you know, these alliances or these treaties with these four other, other kings. And so you're talking five kings total, five different armies five military strategic generals. I mean, you're talking like this is like an all-star, you know, ready to go to war. But they don't attack Israel. They attack, if I can put it this way, they attack Israel's friend. So Israel has a choice. Either Israel stands back and lets these five kings completely destroy the uh, the Gibeonites, right? Israel's friend, um, or Israel steps in to defend someone who's not even converted, someone who's not part of Israel. Uh, they they step in to defend basically other another you know other Can- Can- Canaanites, right? Uh, they step in to defend them. So th- there's that decision that Israel has to make, and in the preaching you will notice. Many times the enemy will not attack the child of God, but the enemy will attack who the child of God is connected to. In other words, our friend, our friends, those individuals that are always there, they want to, you know, they'll help out. They'll heed the call. Anything you need, they're there because 
they love God, uh, they just won't convert. They just won't give their life to the Lord. Uh, so they're like one step away, right, from from being uh, entering into the promise of God. So we, we're making the connection in the preaching, and we're saying that many times the enemy doesn't attack us. It attacks them, but because they're connected with us, it, it, number one, we feel it, we, we hurt for them, but we also have a decision we have to make. Number one, do we go in prayer to defend our quote unquote, you're like our friend, right? Or our, our, because of the treaty, right? Do we go into prayer to defend them or do we just turn our heads and just, you know, do our own thing and let them just fight it out on their own, right? Well, as children of God, because they're connected with us, they're connected to us, it is our responsibility to battle on their behalf. In other words, we go into spiritual warfare for them. So the closest thing that I can, the example that I can bring up that would help us understand this point um, would be uh, someone who's related to us, right? That's not necessarily what's happening in the story, but I'm going to use that example right now to help us understand what, what I'm talking about. So if we're saying the enemy isn't attacking us, but the enemy is attacking our children, what do we do? Right, we jump into battle. We begin to pray. We begin to fast. We begin to to fight. We begin to engage in spiritual warfare uh, on their behalf. Right now, so what happens here? That's what Joshua and the children of Israel are doing. Now they're in this battle. Remember, they're running out of time. It's starting to get dark, and if it gets dark, they're not going to be able to see, and the enemy, they're going into like these caves and things like that. So what ends up happening is that Joshua cries out to the Lord, and in the middle of his crying out to the Lord, he actually commands the sun and the moon to stay still. Okay, what does that mean, Pastor? If I command the star and the moon, you know, the moon, the stars, all that to stand still, does that mean God's going to do that for me? I'm not saying that that that's what's going to happen to you, right? What I am saying though is because you are entering into spiritual warfare on behalf. Watch this, not of your brother or sister in Christ, right? Not on their behalf, but you're entering into spiritual warfare in on the behalf of someone who is connected to you, who loves God in their own way, right? They just won't convert because of the fact that you're going into war for them. When you cry out to the Lord, the Lord will hear you because you are a son of God, you are a daughter of God, and the Lord will also take that opportunity to create some sort of miracle. Now, I'm not saying again, Please don't quote me. Pastor Rufi said the sun's going to stand still. I, I didn't say he'll do it. Maybe he will. I don't know. I'm not saying that, right? But what I'm saying is every situation is different. And as you're fighting, as you're pushing, as you're praying, as you're fasting, as you're standing in the gap for that individual that you are connected to that's being attacked by the enemy, when you cry out to God and you speak the word of faith, God will hear, God will respond because what you're asking for is exactly what you need in order for you to continue fighting because you know the battle's already won. So what I'm saying is you're not fighting for not, or in other words, you're not fighting for for uh, for nothing. 
you're not going into the battle oh i i hope i'm gonna win this oh you're not going into the battle thinking oh i hope god is with me oh i hope i'm gonna win this right if we go into the battle that way we shouldn't even be in the battle right but you're going into the battle knowing god is on your side and you're not fighting for yourself you are fighting for an individual that's connected to you you are fighting for an individual that has some sort of knowledge of God, but they're one step away from making that commitment of giving their life to the Lord. And when you do that, God sees that God will honor the faith that you have. And whatever that circumstance is that they are facing, however it is that the devil is attacking them, when you cry out to God and you speak the word of faith, one more time when I say it, you speak the word of faith, God will answer and use this as a metaphor and he will make the sun stand still. He will make the moon stand still to give you extra time to continue fighting the battle, knowing full well that the battle has already been won. Amen. So this was the premise of the preaching. Uh, so again, if you haven't had a chance to hear it, go back, check it out. It's on our YouTube channel. It is also on the Epicenter Facebook page. But that is the premise of the preaching, understanding that there are many situations and circumstances in your life where God will say yes. Don't forget to check out our website at epicenterfresno.com where you will find links to our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, and our Instagram.